Thank you, Pastor Keith. You're amazing. Pastor Wendy, you guys are legends. Um, we thank you for everything that you've sown, and I'm just so excited that we're here together, that we're doing this together. Thank you, Luke. You're amazing. Thank you, Olivia. <laughs> Anyone else? Uh, thank you, Damien, at the back. Uh, you're awesome too. Hey, why don't we give Damien a hand? Um, normally he's doing about three other things all at once, so um, good job, Damien. Hey, um, we're going to get into the Word. We're going to open up to the book of Matthew, chapter 11. Starting in verse 25, so Jesus is uh, just, he's in, he's in Capernaum, uh, which is, you know, northern Israel. We have uh, on the northern shore of the Lake of Galilee and, and he's just talking and there's just a multitude of people around. There's all sorts of different people around and, um, you know, there's his disciples, there's Pharisees, there's... There's, you know, your normal town folk. There's everyone's just around and they're, they're all listening. And he's been giving this, um, he's been giving this message, which, which you can read in Matthew chapter 10 and 11. And then he says this, he says in verse 25, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of, the, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. You know, it's so often that we, we look to the wise and the prudent as the ones that have all the answers or the ones that are the anointed ones or the ones that carry the, the, the favour of heaven because they're the ones that look good and they're the ones that sound good and they're the ones that maybe have Reverend Doctor in front of their name. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Pastor Dean. Uh, he's not here to defend himself, so it's okay. Uh, you know, we, we, we look to the wise and the prudent. We think that the ones with the robes or the ones with the nice clothes or the ones with the beautiful um, hairstyle, uh, that would be me, are the ones that God talks to and they're the ones that, that Jesus wants to work through. But He says, thank you that you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to the babes. You know, in uh, Matthew 18 verse 3, He says, Unless you become like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, sometimes we just have to have that, that mind as of a little child that just is happy to believe anything, is happy to, you know, not be uh, ignorant, but happy to, you know, if Jesus said it, He's going to do it. That's enough for me, you know. Uh, sometimes we look to the wise and the prudent, but really He's saying we need to be as the little babes. And then Jesus goes on to say, Even so, Father... For so it seemed good in your sight, all things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. You know, Jesus is saying that I and my Father are one. You know, it's a great uh, picture of the Trinity, that, that Jesus isn't just another man that walked the face of the planet. He wasn't just another great prophet. He wasn't another teacher. He wasn't just another healer that went around. But Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the third person of the Trinity. He is God. You know, we have God the Father. We have God the Son. And we have God the Holy Spirit. Neither is greater than the other. They are equal. And, and Jesus is saying, I'm not just another 
random person here teaching you things, but here I am, I am God. And then Jesus says this, He says, Come to me, all you who labour who, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I just looked at it in the Passion uh, Version, and it says, uh, you know, because it makes things a little bit more readable sometimes. He says, Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. You know, sometimes we look at life and we think that there are people that just have it all together and, and they've got everything together. Their life seems to be in order. They've got their own house. They've got their business. They've got, uh, you know, five cars, six dogs, three swimming pools. They have everything that they need and, and life seems to be successful. And the reality is that Jesus says, He doesn't say, come to me, all you who are successful. He doesn't say to me, come to me, all you who have just had a nice lazy Saturday afternoon and, and you're ready to go and you're full of energy. He says, come to me, all you are weary. And the reality is so often we look at life and we see the, the swimming pool and we see the car and we see the good job and the great marriage, but the reality is lying underneath all of that is someone who's just weary. Someone who's just carrying a lot. You know, you've got young kids, you've got mortgage repayments, you've got the pressures of your job. It may look like things are great, it may look like things are successful, but no matter who we are, we are all carrying something. We all carry a burden and Jesus says, no matter who you are, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, for I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, Jesus went through His ministry and kept calling people to Himself. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. John eight fifty eight. I tell you the truth, before Abraham was, I am. I am the gate, I am the shepherd, I am the light. I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus came and His point and His message and His life was about coming to Him. And it's not because He was another great man. It wasn't because He had great words. It wasn't because He was attractive or there was something about Him. It was because He is God. God living amongst us. He is Jesus. He is God. Jesus didn't come to promote a program. He didn't come to promote a religion. He didn't come to promote a 10-step process or a, or a new way of living or a new lifestyle. He came to promote Himself. He came to say, come to me. He's not just another great historical figure. He's not like Muhammad. He's not like Buddha. He's not like Joseph Smith, Confucius or Krishna. They are all dead and you can go to their graves. Only one is alive. Only one has an empty grave. Only one defeated death and hell and is sitting at the right hand of the Father and His name is Jesus or Yeshua. Althea, this is a message that has been preached for millennia. It's not a new thing. 
2023, that's the year that we live in. This has been preached for millennia from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and the outermost parts of the world, from Constantinople to Rome, to London, to New York, to Azusa Street in Los Angeles. This Gospel has been preached and it's the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Acts 5.38, it reads, When they had called for the Apostles, the Apostles had been arrested in the temple. They'd been uh, doing their thing as apostles, preaching, laying hands on the sick. And the Pharisees and the, and the religious rulers had arrested them and beaten them. It says, They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. The apostles' message was all about Jesus. Daily in the temple and in every house, it says they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Jesus preached Jesus. The early church preached Jesus. For millennia, they have preached Jesus. This church, Revival City Church, Mount Barker, will preach Jesus. It is the only Gospel. It is the only name worth talking about. It is the only, uh, He is the only person that can save you who can heal you, who can transform you. He is Jesus. He is God. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. His Name is Jesus. And as a church, we hold fast to what some uh, call the four square gospel. You know, this is a, a, a way of talking about Jesus that's been around since the dawn of, of the last century, over a hundred years. The four square gospel. There's no picture there. But if there was, there'd be a picture of our logo. <laughs> Boom. Damien, what a guy. That's our square, the four square gospel. The four square gospel that believes the four things that Jesus saves, that Jesus heals, that Jesus baptises in the Holy Ghost and that Jesus is coming again. The four attributes that I want to look at this morning of Jesus is the four square gospel. And the first of those is that Jesus saves. You know, because of the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus, we are saved. So often we think about life as, as kind of that set of scales. You know, you've seen it on maybe Law and Order, you know, the set of scales. We have on one side of the scales all of the good things that we've done in our life you know, the, the time that we donated to World Vision, the time that we've given money to the poor, the time that we went out of our way to help someone, all of the good things that we do in life. We put them on one side of the scale and then we think about all of the bad things that we've done and, you know, the time that we lied or maybe the time that we um, cheated or, or the time that we were maybe a little bit selfish or a little bit greedy you know, we look at it and we have, in our human minds, we have these scales and we think if only the good outweighs the bad. If only the good things that I do uh, outweigh the bad things that I do, I'm going to be okay. We think about those good things and we think about those scales and it kind of can direct our life a little bit. But the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God 
is eternal life. Your salvation isn't dependent on what you do. Your, your salvation isn't dependent on how good of a person you are. Your salvation isn't dependent on, on, on the great things that you do, the size of your house, how many fish you catch in your boat, how much money you donate to the poor, how good of a husband or how good of a, a wife you may be or a father or a mother. Your salvation is purely dependent on the fact that Jesus died and that He rose again and that God gave us the gift of salvation. It's proven in Romans 5 verse 8. It says that God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him, whoever believes in Him, God gave before we believed. He didn't give because we'd met some form of criteria. He didn't give us His Son and the opportunity for salvation only after the fact that maybe you've completed the Alpha course or maybe you've gone and you've studied at an at a, at a, at a institution overseas or maybe you've given away all that you have for the poor. He didn't give us His Son and He didn't give us the gift of salvation because if it was dependent on you, then it wouldn't be the gift of God. In Romans 14 verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. And one of the greatest tragedies of this culture and of our generation is that people believe that many ways go to the Father. That you just live your truth. That you believe what you want to believe as long as that doesn't interfere with what I believe. You can be a Buddhist, you can be a, a Muslim, you can be a whatever it is that you want to be, but we are we, we believe and we know that there is one way to the Father. That can be a little bit controversial for our generation and for our culture. It doesn't say that we shouldn't be good people because we should be good people. We should choose to live our life as Christ wants us to live. We should choose to walk the journey of sanctification. But none of those things earns our way to heaven. You can't earn your way to heaven. It is Jesus who saves I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You know, Jesus saves and He saved me. And I remember that day when I was 19 and I was at an at a Aboriginal outreach conference in Sejuna and Max Wiltshire laid hands on me and I've hit the floor under the power of God and, and I was saved and I was baptised in the Holy Ghost. I remember that day. Like it, was, like it was yesterday, like it was only a few days ago. Those, that memory is imprinted in my brain. And I know I'm sure a lot of you would remember the day that you were saved, but the reality is it's not a one-time event. I was saved and I am being saved. I was saved then and I'm on my way to heaven. I was, I was made right with God, with His righteousness, but now I choose to walk in righteousness. Every day I take a step of faith to become the person that I need to be. Every time, every day I get up and I choose to walk with, with God's love and clothe myself with His power. You know, sometimes people are saved and things change and dramatically shift and all of a sudden you're a, you're a new creation, uh, not only spiritually but physically. But for some of us, me included, it's a work. It's the work of salvation. It's me choosing to become more and more like Christ and I do that because I want to be someone who reveals God to my community. 
It's not just about going to heaven, but it's about living an abundant life here on earth. Four attributes of Jesus that we as a church believe. Number one, Jesus saves. Number two, Jesus heals. You know, we believe that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And that the same God that healed in the Old Testament, the same God that walked amongst us and healed uh, in the Gospels, the same God that healed people through the, through the apostles and the early church is still healing today. You know, the Gospels record 26 healings that are attributed to Jesus, including three people that are raised from the dead. You know, we think of the woman with the issue of blood. We think of blind Bartimaeus. We think, think of the, the deaf and the mute and the disabled, the withered hands, the paralysed. We think of Lazarus coming out of the tomb. But John says in chapter 21, verse 25, he says, And there were also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Jesus was a healer. Jesus didn't just come to save, but He came to heal. Matthew 9.35, it says, Jesus travelled through all the towns and villages of the area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And He healed every kind of disease and every illness. Jesus was a healer. Not only did He save, but Jesus heals. The apostles healed. The early church, you know, Acts chapter 3, Peter and John at Gate Beautiful, when they come up to the man who's been lame from birth and he asks them for finance, he asks them for a handout and Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. You know, Jesus, God was healing. God was healing through Jesus. God was healing through the apostles, Acts chapter 5, it says they carried the sick out into the streets so that they would just catch Peter's shadow. And it says, as it goes on, you read it, it says the people gathered from all the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. And it says this, and they were all healed. Jesus is a healer. God is a healer. He wants to heal. He wants to heal today. He healed through the new church and He says that God uses you and He uses me. Romans 8 verse 11, the same Spirit that conquered the grave, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you and He lives in me. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 9, He talks about, Paul talks about the spiritual gift of healings. James 5 15, it says, The prayer of faith will heal the sick. We as a church, Revival City Church, me personally, I believe and I know that God is a healer, that He healed in the Old Testament. He healed through Jesus, God the Son, as He walked the face of this planet. He, he's healed through the, through the early church and through the apostles and He can heal through you and through me. I've seen it personally in my life. I spoke about this. Come on. Let's give God a hand. I've seen it personally in my own life. You know, I spoke about this on New Year's Day. If you, if you were here at church on that, on that day, or you might have been sleeping after staying up and seeing the new, new year in. You know, I've seen God heal people personally in my own life. I remember praying for someone who worked in a bottle factory and, 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 a, and a molten 
glass had exploded and had, had severely damaged and had scar tissue all over his arm. I prayed for him and all of a sudden God healed him. He had full movement in his arm. I've laid hands on the man and seen a knee healed. I've, I've laid hands on men and see their backs healed. When I was preaching in Edithburg on January 8th, a woman came to me and, and, and the doctors had said that uh, she needs to get this lump checked out in her breast and that it was more than likely that it's going to be breast cancer. It was, it, was, it was the right lump. It was in the right place. We prayed the prayer of faith. By the time that she got to see the specialist on the Wednesday, that lump had completely dissolved, had completely disappeared. I remember my grandma, my granny was a, was a prayer warrior and she had a stroke in her late 80s. And they took her to the Royal Adelaide Hospital, to the old one. And I remember visiting her and I, I remember because I got lost. Um, the old Royal Adelaide Hospital was a rabbit warren. Uh, and I'm walking around and I finally found my grandma and they told her that it would take her over a year to learn to talk again. So, so I'm talking to my granny and she says, she's talking to me and I'm thinking, how, how has this happened? And she said, God spoke to her and told her to pray in tongues. And so late that night when all the doctors had gone, she started praying in tongues, Pastor Keith. She started praying in tongues. She said, hopefully no one walked by and heard what they probably thought she was crazy. She prayed in tongues all night. And by that morning, she was speaking perfectly. God healed her. God healed her. There are stories of healing that happen all throughout. You know, if you get time, ask Ian and Sheila about, um, about their daughter, Rachel. You know, she was healed of, of was breast cancer as well, wasn't it? You know, there are stories of healings and miracles that happen. And we believe that Jesus heals. God is a healer. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. God is a healer. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the God who heals. He healed in the Old Testament. Jesus healed while He was here on earth. He healed in the early church and He's healing today. Four attributes of Jesus that we believe as a church. Firstly, Jesus saves. Secondly, Jesus heals. And thirdly, Jesus baptises in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues is distinct and separate to water baptism. And it's available to every believer who desires it. You know, as it's, it's something that is, is in addition. You know, your salvation doesn't depend on whether you're baptised in the Holy Spirit because you are saved by grace through faith, that not of works. But it is a gift that's available to every believer. Jesus said in John 14 verse 15, I will pray and the Father will send you the paraclete, the helper, the comforter, the advocate. John 15, 23, again he says, I will send the helper, the, the paraclete. Acts 1 verse 4, Jesus says, and it says, And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. This is the, the, the disciples that he's talking to uh, just after his resurrection. He says, Don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you have heard which he said, you heard from me. For John truly baptised with water, but you shall be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they'd come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of heaven, to, that restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in my own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the outer ends of the earth. 
Baptism in the Holy Spirit with the ability to speak in tongues, the power that the Holy Spirit has, the power to walk in the call and the destiny of God in your life is available to every believer. And the reality is that if you're someone that walks in off the street and you saw someone speaking in tongues, it's a little bit weird. Um, I think we could all agree on that. But Christianity is weird. Our whole shtick is weird. You know, we believe that God is the Creator. He created the heavens and the earth. We believe that God became a man and put flesh on, that He, that he, was, that he went around healing, that He died and that He died a brutal death, but then He rose again on the third day. Christianity is a little bit weird, but Christianity isn't powerless. We're not called to live in religion. We're not called to live in liturgy. We're not called to live in in a life that's confined by our own thinking, by our own spirit. We're called to walk in the power and authority of the Spirit of God. And that's available to every believer. You know, I remember writing... Tony Corbridge is a friend of mine. We went to school, uh, went to uh, Bible college together. We've been friends for 25 years. He's the campus pastor at Influences Church in Paradise. And uh, before he got married, he had a Bucks party, and we there was probably 40 or 50 of us, and we all hired 50 CC scooters. So you can imagine 40 or 50 young men on scooters driving through Adelaide. It was mayhem. It was it was crazy. Um, but we and we we're all trying to outdo each other. You know, in our little scooters, um, you know, Simon Castledine was trying to jump and trying to, you know, get this thing airborne. I don't know how safe that was, you know, but I, I remember that pulling up to the service station and we're out of petrol and I filled up mine with 98 octane because I wanted power. What's the point of having a 50cc scooter on unleaded 91? I wanted something with 98. That's how we need to live our life. Why would we choose to live a week? powerless, puny life when we can walk in all the power and authority of God. You know, Acts 2 verse 1, the day of Pentecost fell and it says that it fell like tongues of fire. Acts 10 verse 44 and 48, Peter went to see Cornelius and Peter says that it fell on the Gentiles as it fell on us in the first day. Acts 11 verse 12, he says, as it fell on us. Acts 19 Paul is at Ephesus and he says in his first visit to Ephesus, have you been baptised in the Holy Ghost? And they say, we've only received John's baptism. So Paul lays hands on them and the Holy Spirit fills them and they start speaking in tongues. We don't have to go back that far to see Azusa Street and the outpouring of God and the, and, and the breakout there. You know, I think of myself when I got filled with the Holy Ghost that time when I was 19 years old. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is for everyone who who desires it with the evidence of speaking tongues and it's available here in Mount Barker in 2023 as much as it's available in Azusa Street, as much as it's available in Jerusalem or Ephesus or in Rome or wherever the early church spread, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for you today. Speaking in tongues, it allows you to pray God's perfect will and get your mind out of the way. It keeps you in tune with the Holy Spirit. It allows you to pray when you just don't know what to pray. It builds and stimulates your faith and brings our prayers into alignment with the Spirit of God. It edifies us and and helps build our mind and our character. And maybe this is something I need to spend a little bit more time in the next few weeks on, that you are the baptism of the Holy Spirit is here and it's available for each and every one of us. It gives us the power 
to live the life that God, God has called us to, to outwork the call of God in our life and to be an effective witness for Jesus Christ. Are you with me? It's a good morning. We're a Pentecostal church. We believe Jesus saves. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through the Father. That's through the Son. We believe that Jesus is a healer. We believe that Jesus baptizes in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, and we believe that Jesus is coming again. One Thessalonians four sixteen for the Lord Himself. This is Paul writing to the church in Thessaloniki. Thank you for laughing at my Greek pronunciation, Luke. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. There'll be a trumpet. There'll be a sound from heaven. And Jesus will come back and he says, I'll come back the same way that I left. You know, sometimes we get up, caught up living our lives worrying about how to make it from week to week. And sometimes we get caught up with our own uh, rushing from here to there and we've got to get this done and we've got to think, you know, how am I going to do this? But we need to be living with an eternal mindset. Jesus is coming back again and He's going to take us to be with Him, with the Father in heaven. One day you're going to be out, maybe walking the dog, maybe eating Hungry Jacks, uh, or if you're me, probably a salad. Maybe you're going to be at work, at work, doing whatever you do, and there'll be a trumpet. He'll appear in the clouds, and one day you will be gone. You will be with your Father in heaven. There'll be two men walking up a hill. One disappears, and one's left standing still. Oh, I wish we'd all been ready. Does anyone else except Christiane get the song there? The man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise and turns her head. He's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. Jesus is coming again. He's coming again and I pray that my heart is ready. I pray that we're ready. But I pray that Mount Barker's ready. That Mount Barker has the opportunity to know that Jesus is coming again, that He loves them, that He'll save them, that He can heal them, that He can fill them with the power that they need through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, we forget that hell is a real place created for Satan and his demons, a place of eternal torment. Eternal pain and suffering, a place separate from God, separate from love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. But as much as hell is a real place, so is heaven. A place of no more tears, no more pain, no more death, no more suffering. A place where the streets are paved with gold. The gates are made of pearl and a place where we get to be in the presence of God 24-7. Eternal love, eternal peace, eternal joy. As a church, we believe in the four-square gospel. The four-square gospel is just a fancy name of saying, way of saying we believe that Jesus saves. We believe that Jesus heals. We believe that Jesus baptises in the Holy Spirit. And we believe that Jesus is coming again. Do you believe it this morning, church? Yes. Amen. Yeah. You know, one of the things I wanted to do this morning, and we've only got, we've got six minutes, I just wanted to talk briefly about you know, the direction that we want to see this church go forward in the next season. I know there's, you know, some of you may have questions or you may be thinking, well, what's next? 
And the reality is I'm asking those same questions. So we're all on the same page together. One of the things I know is that we need to take this message to Mount Barker and to the Adelaide Hills. Then we need to see this area one for the heaven, one for the kingdom of heaven. We need to see people know that God loves them, that He has a plan for them in your high schools, in your primary schools, in your workplaces, in your families. That this is a message that doesn't belong in these four walls. It's a message that belongs in the community. Our prayer, and Pastor David mentioned it on Vision Sunday, is that each one of us would see one person saved this year. And that God would put someone on your heart that you would pray for them and that you'd see them one to the kingdom this year. I don't know who that is for you. It may be someone in your school. It may be someone in your workplace. Guess what? It may be some random person that you meet on the bus or in the street. But I would believe that each person can win one person for God this year. That we would see one person, that you would see you take one step of faith. What is the step of faith that you are called to take this year? Is it, a, is, it a, is, it a, is it a new job? Is it a step in, in a, a financial decision that you need to make? What is that step of faith that God's put on your heart? Our prayer is that you would see one person saved, that you would, see, uh, you would take one step of faith and that you would see God do one miracle in your life. You know, that if someone in your workplace is a cold or is going through a situation, that you can lay hands on them. You have the power of God inside of you to see them healed that you would take a step of faith, but that you would see one miracle in your life as well. Where we're going in the next few months is we've got Easter coming up in about five or six weeks. And Easter's a big season. Easter's like the grand final for church. Easter's that time of year where you can invite anyone and they'll come. Easter and Christmas, they're the opportunities that we have. So we're going to make, uh, make space that you can invite someone to be able to bring them here, to be able to hear the Gospel uh, good Friday, Pastor David will be with us and he'll be sharing around that, which should be good. Easter Sunday, I'll be preaching. We're going to have a great morning. We've got plans. We've got uh, different things we're going to have. We'll have an Easter egg hunt. We'll have hot cross buns. It'll be a great time to be in church. Please don't miss it. But that's our go time. That's what we're building towards. And then uh, off of that, into the school holidays, we've got some really exciting, uh, fun family services uh, that we've got in mind. You know, we're going to have a movie night. We're going to have a uh, movie morning for the kids one morning. Bean bags, popcorn. We're getting in a giant inflatable screen. Uh, so you can bring your grandkids. You can bring uh, your kids. Um, if you're young at heart and you feel like your child, you're not, you've got to stay in here. Um, maybe we can have popcorn in here as well or something. Okay. I think there's an overwhelming vote for yes for popcorn. Uh, so we, we've got some big plans. You know, we, we're looking at um, having a big worship service on the final Sunday of the school holidays and um, getting some, uh, I don't want to say anything because it hasn't been locked in yet, but Nagoma worship or some of these, um, you know, multicultural worship bands to come in and just put on a big multicultural Sunday, get a bunch of food out there in the cafe afterwards. You know, we've got big plans that we want to do, but they're big plans for you to be a bringer for you to bring your friends, bring your kids, bring whoever you can because this church isn't designed to be empty. You know, one of the saddest things that we've still got gaps, we've got lots of chairs on the back walls and they're chairs that, that have someone in mind. That's, that's someone's seat at the back there. So it's up to you to bring them. I'll do my bet, bit, I'll do my best. You do your best. I reckon we can see this place full over the Easter weekend and through the school holidays. Uh, the other thing is, 
but we're going to look at the facilities and just see what we need to do to be able to bring this uh, to become a place, and not that it isn't already, but a place where people feel safe, they feel comfortable, and they feel like when they walk through the doors that they feel welcome and they feel at home. You know, if you look around the world, and I love looking at the beauty of places like the Sistine Chapel, and I look, look at... Uh, uh, cathedrals around the world and you look at the beauty and the splendour that is in them and in no way are we going to paint the roof uh, with the finger of God. Um, But it would be beautiful, but it might be a distraction as well. But it is a demonstration of the greatness and the beauty of God. So we're going to be looking at the facilities and look at um, what we can do to, to, to make this place a demonstration. Not that it isn't already, but how can we continue to improve it? You know, one thing that we need to know is that everything says something. Our building says something, our foyer says something, our our driveway, our our cafe, our kids' church, it says something. So when people walk through the door and they don't know God, they don't know who He is, they don't know uh, anything. We live in 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 almost a post-Christian society. When they come through the doors, what does it say? So we're looking at those things, those walls and that foyer will be painted this week. Harry uh, uh, and John will be in there and... And painting that this week, so don't worry, the the holes will be patched, everything will be looking good. Um, But we're going to look at removing, in particular, I want to remove all blockages and all hurdles that might get in the way of someone encountering God. Whatever it is that gets in the way of someone walking through those doors and finding a place here and finding a place to call home and finding their Saviour, we want to be able to continue to work to remove them. Any blockages, any hurdles, any handbrakes on someone encountering God. Everything says something about Him and we need to be able to give a good, a good message about who He is. We're going to look at the children's facilities. You know, the program is exceptional, but that youth hall at the moment, it runs a youth program on Friday nights. It runs kids on a Sunday morning. It runs a community pantry. We've got to look at the best way that we can use that space. We're going to continue to bring improvements to our cafe and to our foyer and to our community spaces. We want open, warm, inviting and modern facilities. Children's facilities, you know the program is exceptional. Lisa does a great job out there running that program. But one of the things that we want to be able to do is continue to build her team and to build all of the team. You know, my prayer is that every person here, if you're a committed part of the church, that you would uh, find within yourself that you could maybe serve one Sunday a month. One week in every four. If you could uh, put your hand up to be uh, on team one Sunday in a month, one Sunday in every four weeks, that would go a long way to being able to create the team that we need. You know, it's about creating a net. We need to create a net that can catch fish. And we want to catch a big load and we need a strong net and we are the net. And, and I'm so passionate about investing into that room and into that generation in particular. I'm so passionate about investing into our youth, uh, with Emily as our youth pastor and, and, and our children's programs, because I believe that as we look after them, God will look after this. We need to be stewarding what we've been, we've been uh, inherited. You know, Pastor Gary and Jane, they inherited and, 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 you know, what Pastor Keith and Pastor Wendy built, they stewarded it well. They stewarded it to the best of their ability and now it's our turn to steward what's been given to us so that we can leave it better for the next generation, that we can leave something that's stronger, that's better, that, that, that is winning souls, that is seeing the kingdom of heaven in operation. We believe that we need to steward something to make it stronger and to make it healthier. Does that make sense? 
a little bit of the direction. You've got my phone number. You've got my email. Um, feel free to contact me anytime before 9 p.m., 7 p.m., 6 p.m. <laughs> you know, Sarah and I love you guys, and we're so blessed and so privileged to be able to be your pastors and to be here and to, to walk this journey of faith with you and to walk this journey of life. And we just thank you so much for the privilege. We believe that the best days are ahead, that this building will grow, that this place will be full, that your lives will be blessed. We don't ask for blessing. We don't ask for, for a full church just for the sake of it. We do it because that we know that as we are a blessing, that we are, as we are blessed, we can be a blessing. That if this place is full, we know that the Mount Barker community is being transformed. We know that if there's families in here, that means there's mums and dads that aren't uh, uh, at the pokies or they're not just sitting idly at home, but they're here and they're engaged and they're worshipping God and they're on that process of sanctification like all of us. You know, I believe that our best days are ahead of us. I'm excited to see what this year will bring and uh, I'm excited to see what God will do in us and through us. Our good days are ahead of us. Do you believe it, church? Amen. You got my number. Feel free to call me, text me, send me some jokes, send me some memes. I'm all about memes, uh, <laughs> but I love you. Hey, yeah, I've joked a little bit, but before we move on, if you're here this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed and you don't know God, you don't know Jesus as Saviour, then this morning is your morning. Don't leave it another day. Don't leave it another minute. If you're here this morning and you don't know him, then today is your day. Today is the day of salvation. With every head bowed and every eye closed across this place, if that's you, I want to pray for you and I want to pray with you. But to know who I'm praying for, I'd love it. If you could just lift your hand so that I can see it. We're not going to get you to do anything weird. We're just going to get you to lift it, put it back down, and then we'll pray together. Is there anyone here this morning? You don't know God. Maybe you once walked with him. Maybe you once came to church. Maybe you once called yourself a Christian, but you don't today. Today is the day to come home. Today is the day to come home. If that's you this morning, why don't you do me a favour and lift your hand so I know who to pray for. Amen. 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 God bless you, church. One of the things that we're going to do is that the four Tuesday nights leading up to Easter, we're going to have prayer meetings uh, in the building here yeah. on a Tuesday night. Naomi, put that in the calendar. For the four, four Tuesdays leading up to Easter, we're going to have prayer meetings here. We need to pray. We need to believe that God will bring people in to be saved, that you will see people saved in your life, that this building will be full, that God's name will be glorified. So uh, I'll send another email out with those dates. You know, prayer is the key. Prayer is the thing that will break open heaven. Prayer is the... Prayer is, prayer is the access that we have to the Father. So we're going to pray and we're going to believe that God will do a sovereign work here at Revival City Church, Mount Barker. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet? Let me pray over you. Eleven thirty-six. One more time. Why don't we lift our hands to heaven? Holy Spirit, I thank you for every hand raised and for every hope, open heart. I pray, Lord God, that you bless each person, that your blessing and your favour would be upon them, that this week would be a week of miracles, that they would see people saved, that they'd see breakthrough in their families and in their finances and in every area of their life. 
I pray your blessing and your favour in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. And everyone said together, Amen. Amen.